This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it it is the best way to get to really know the guest. Welcome to today's episode with Bill Healy. Bill is a partner and founding member of Silver Spike Capital, a private credit and growth capital investment manager focused on plant-based and alternative health and wellness industries, and I'm psyched to jump into that. Prior to Silver Spike, he was president of Pantera Capital Management in Menlo Park, California, a leading blockchain venture capital manager dedicated exclusively to digital currencies applications and related companies but more importantly and why he's here he's a passionate triathlete and world changer so bill welcome to the show thank you for having me so you are a triathlete you're in the you know you know you're in the money raise business you're in so many different things talk to us a little bit about though who bill healy is and how you ended up here well thank you um who bill healy is uh, well, I define myself first and foremost uh, as a as a husband and a and a parent. Uh, I have three wonderful kids, all um, above twenty one years old, so I'm not spending too much time on them anymore. Uh, but secondly, I yeah, I kind of define myself as an athlete, a triathlete, uh, before anything else. I had a long banking career, uh, and I'm now in the investment management business. But it really revolves around identifying myself as as first and foremost a family man, and then a then an athlete. And that's, and that's huge, right? And a lot of people identify themselves with their career is versus anything else. And, and I love that, the fact that you're, that's what you're doing is the triathlete side, right? As a dad, as a, family, as a family person, because that really drives success in all the areas of your life. Oh, definitely. It was, um, it, it's a compliment, right? I mean, there's, I always tell my wife, there's a yin and a yang and, and there's sometimes there's always sacrifices and it's a, it's a pendulum that swings back and forth. And I'm sure Ken, you appreciate that as well, uh, given your commitment to the sport, but uh, it always seems like it's a balance so it, it, just as a traveling, right? You train is the bike time down and then you find that your run time is, uh, has gotten longer. Uh, but uh, that's, that's, you know, I think it's balance. I think at the end of the day, when all said and done, and I know as triathletes, we tend to be person, you know, type A personalities. But believe it or not, I think it's at the end of the day, it's, it's about balance. Well, and that too, and sort of your moving meditation, right? Like you're saying, it's the run, it's the bike, it's the, it's the swim. Talk to us a bit about, you know, you're a super busy guy and figuring out how to train during these, you know, actually, especially right now. But, you know, in general, how do you train for, a triath- for triathlons as an executive? It's just carving out time. It's, um, and, uh, I think like everything in life, they, if it's, if you're passionate about something, it doesn't, it's not work. Right. So there was a period of time that I literally would wake up at two minutes before my 5am alarm went off to, to do a swim or to a run. But I think it's really about planning time and it's about being efficient with time. So, you know, I usually, when a Sunday comes around, I usually like to plan my, my week in advance and, and I also think the the trick for me is always to get everything done in the morning. I don't know about you, Ken, but by the time the afternoon and early evening swings around, 
I'm beat and I find it really, really challenging to get stuff done. So I, I think it's, um, I think first and foremost, it's having a schedule, you know, you know, the tricks, right? Have all the gear out uh, early in the morning so you don't have to rummage through the drawers. And I think uh, the second thing for me that's helped a lot, and again, candidly is a bit of a challenge now for me, is, is, is the calendar, the race day on the calendar, right? And having something that really motivates, motivates us or me to, to work towards a day. Mm-hmm. So I find that um, that always helped. And, and candidly, it's a, it's a slight challenge now as much as I, I, I really enjoy doing it. But I find myself a little bit more motivated when I'm, when I'm earmarking a, an event. Well, it's sort of like anything, right? It's, it's a goal. It's, it's the yeah. place that you're trying to reach and, and try to get to. And the goal is sort of the icing on the cake. And, but the, the journey is the, is the training, right? It's the 5 a.m. It's the, it's the discipline. But I think that's what makes us who we are. I, look, I think it, it, I'm really glad you hit that point because I think the biggest surprise for me was not only the physical, sort of the physical benefits, um, and, out, and outcomes that happen to us as triathletes. But I think the emotional journey is really something that I never really anticipated. And I found immensely, immensely reaffirming and, uh, and really, really enjoyed it. And that's the time, as you said, that you're spending to your, with yourself. And, and I think that uh, you learn so much about yourself. I, 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 I think that that was really one of the, the real, real benefits that, that came with it that I actually hadn't anticipated. No, it does. And, and, that's, and I think that's what the special thing is, right? As you get further along by training this stuff, it's, that's what you start craving more than the actual race. The race, is, the race is just sort of, it's the Christmas morning, but once it's over, it's sort of over. And you're having a beer at the end, you're wondering what's next. Yeah, but you know what the rule, what I love about it the most, I was thinking about today's talk, and that is what I love about the, the events, if any of your, of your viewers haven't been to a triathlon finish line, whether it's an Olympic uh, distance, a half Ironman or an Ironman, just look at the support that the, the, the love and support that's around the finish line, whether you're coming in first or coming in last, the, it, it's so supportive and everyone is, is felt is, is treated like a winner, which they are. And, and I, I, I love being in that, you know, the, the day or two before the event, all the excitement, but the, I think the love and support that is also around the sport is, I think is really unique, really special. I was out here and I played once not to dump on tennis, but I was on a pro-am tournament once. Everybody had to wear the whites and I'd never done that before and ended up playing with a great pro and I won the tournament. It was, it was great. But you know what? It was like, yeah, everyone was in their whites. Everyone was a little stuffy and, and it's just the contrast to, to the environment that, that surrounds a triathlon event, you know, couldn't be more stark. Now, how did you get into triathlon? I just, I was looking for, I was looking for a challenge. I mean, I was in my mid thirties living in Manhattan. Um, and I wasn't happy about what was happening to my body, happening to my mind. And, uh, and I thought that there was levels of stress that were beginning to get manifested in my, in my body. And I needed, I needed a challenge. And so I didn't, certainly didn't start by, like, I'm going to go do an Ironman. But I was very lucky in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. There's a beautiful, beautiful uh, public pool facility, 50-meter pool, a club called Asphalt Green. And, um, you know, I just said, I, this sounds really interesting, really unique. And I just started with the goal of doing a, an Olympic distance uh, race out here in uh, Montauk, New York. And, um, and, you know, just fell in love with the sport. 
No, and then it's so funny, like you were saying, you start at one and you just keep going and going, yeah. right? Until it's it's sort of the drug that keeps you moving forward. But that's the same motivation as well, right? You're striving for that for that next goal and, and next uh, way to do it. How was it training in New York City? I see these guys train in New York and it's crazy to me that uh, how many people are pulling it off and going through Central Park and was it the West Side Highway and, and going everywhere? It's, it's yeah, you know, I, I, I'm i a bit of a baby. I Again, I get up quite early just because yeah. I think there's nothing more stressful than trying to do loops in Central Park when, when you have That's crazy. people crossing the street and there's so many tourists, right? You, you can't tell you how many tourists are crossing the street not even looking left or right and uh, and that's just too much stress. So, I, so actually... In the Upper East Side, you know, you have the pool facility, you have a master swim program. So you're in the pool, it's 5.45 in the morning. You don't have to worry about a drill or, or, or a workout. The coach is going to do it for you. And you're in a lane with a bunch of other people um, that, are your ta- that, you're, you know, that are pushing you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Central Park is great. You know, Central Park for runs and for a bit of bike rides. And then, um, you know, then I have the benefit of, of, of coming out here on Long Island. For the for the longer rides in the morning, which uh, which especially in the summer are, are very pretty. But I have to tell you though, I mean, I think as East Coast guys, uh, it, it dawned on me once that I was at a half Ironman event in uh, in Northern California, uh, and I realized, boy, you know, these guys are passing me on the bike. They're you know, they're doing this all year round. Right. I, I don't know about you, but I can't I can't get on a bike when it's when it's that cold out. And you can only get on a stationary bike for so long watching football in the living room. So. Um, you know, it's just sort of a balance, but, um, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it can be worked out. Well, and, and, but then if it's raining or cold, it creates a toughness that you have that they don't have. Right. I think that's, that's what a lot of it is. And that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You envy those guys that like you're saying can train year round. It's warm. They're in shorts the whole time. And what was it here two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Mother's Day weekend, it's still snowing in the Northeast. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Ironically enough, my first Ironman in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, it rained the entire event. Right. And like the three or four <laughs> years before, the three or four years before, uh, record heat. In fact, I think one of those years they had the biggest did not finish ratios of wow. all the, the major Ironman races that year year or the year before so of course i trained for you know 95 degree weather i don't think the thing got above 50 degrees in the entire time, and i got a flat tire yeah so but those are the things that you uh you never thought for. well and that's the world right that's but that and that's what i love about sport how it mimics life right is you think everything's going well and then it starts raining and you get a flat tire and i'm sure you know we'll cross over to the business sector but there's so many parallels in those. And so how do you feel that sport and health and wellness really contribute to your success, you know, off the bike as so they say, but in, in, in the real world? I think it's confidence that look, you know, no one loves sitting on a couch at 1130 at night in college watching David Letterman more than I did. All right. Stephen Petrix, right. In the top 10. Uh, but I think that, you know, what they say when you cross that finish line, it's something that no one can take, take away from you. It's, it's yours. And I think that, that, you know, I think, gee, if you can do an Ironman and you can do these types of races then anything else seems kind of like doable. Right. So, and I think the one thing that, that I really, really admire and that to me is very, very, is a very philosophical thing is that, you know, there's, there's no, there's no, when you cross the finish line first, there's no subjectivity to that. So you're sitting down with the boss at the end of the year and you're looking for a discretionary bonus or, or, or feedback. Um, 
there's none of that in sport, right? There, um, at least in the in triathlon, that you you are your own master, and you know you compete against yourself with the best that you can do. But there's no subjectivity in sports, is which I I love I love the most, and I think that that it's about meritocracy, and I think that that I think that empowers one when they have these type of athletic accomplishments, and they can you know use that and translate that into whatever career they pursue. No, it's huge. And I think, like you said, it's, it's, it's a feeling that you don't, most people don't understand until they cross a finish line. It's, it, it's comes, what we were talking about earlier is the emotional piece, right? And that's really what, what comes across. And I loved what you said there. There's no subjectivity. And, and for everyone that's crossing the finish line from the winner to the last place person, they still won. Maybe the second, the, the second or third place guys don't feel that way because they're actually trying to win the thing. But to everyone else, it is such a major, you know, major component of of that journey. Well, it's funny you say that. I came in second place by <laughs> <laughs> by eight seconds, and and my wife always says, you know, especially at the Olympics, she said, you know, the gold, the person who won the gold, you, there is the happiest person on this, uh, right. you know. They're, they're ecstatic. And the person who got the, uh, the, the, the bronze is ecstatic because they made it to the podium. And the most unhappy person is the, is the person, <laughs> the silver, right? Uh, but ironically enough, that, 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 uh, that, that has happened to me you know, on more than one occasion. Yeah, that silver is the first loser. Exactly. So right. that's, the first loser. that's the worst one. No, and, and my, everyone, all my listeners know that, you know, my kids ski race and, and they're always like, there's only one winner. No one else is ever happy. Yeah, and, that's and true. It's so true because it's, it's like, funny. It's funny. Sorry, it's funny you said about children too, because I think also, I think what was really helpful for my children, they were still relatively young, um, and you know, I would not have been able to do any of this without the support of my wife, who was always really supportive. Um, but I always got out early, and by the time I got back, they were still in their pajamas, you know, waking up or watching television. But I also think it was my, one of my all-time favorite photographs is is me crossing the finish line with my three kids running across the finish line with me in Wisconsin. And I think it's it's I think it's helpful for kids to sort of see firsthand the commitment and the work uh, that you know that this entails. And I think I don't know, I think that's a I think that's a positive thing as well. No, I think so too. It's you know you're creating role models, and they're seeing their you know their dad in their forties out there crushing all these younger guys, and and it's something that they can aspire to be. I think my kids just think I'm crazy, but. It's, uh, but still, no matter what, they still see you doing that. They see the commitment that you're out there and hopefully, um, take that, take that piece with them. Do any of your kids follow up on the sport? They ski race. They don't sub bike race or do any of that stuff. They're not there yet, but you know, who knows, right? You know, it's a, uh, it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to watch. I think what I'm seeing them is it's starting to click. It's, you know, they're getting better and better, which is, which is all you really want, right? Is here to have a click to sort of figure out what it takes to be successful. But they're also seeing that the people that are successful in their race and how hard they're working, right? Their competition and seeing that. And I'm like, Hey, you want to get up with, you know, the number one, number two player, you got to be busting your ass harder, longer and doing it. And you know, if not, that's okay as well. But if you desire to be there, that's what you got to do. Yeah, but all three of my children were, were favorably impacted through their upbringing in sports. You know, we always really supported it if that's something they wanted to do. But you know, two of my three children end up being um, NCAA student athletes nice. at different three schools. But um, it really, really, really played a very important role in, in their upbringing and in, in formation of their, you know, of their character. 
No, it's, it's true. I think that's so important in today's world for, you know, for individuals to be that. And I think, you know, especially right now, the whole homeschool thing, just try to be active and try to be outside as much as possible because it's so easy to just get sucked into your class or, you know, their videos and, and everything that else is going on out there. And if anyone hears me, sorry, my dog's barking, but um, trying to negate that as best I can. So you're doing some doing some interesting stuff, right? We met through um, actually a webcast that we did for you guys in, in the cannabis space and you're doing cannabis investing, but more on the health and wellness side. Tell us a little bit about, because this is a fascinating topic across all levels of, of athletics right now. Talk to us, you know, how you got into that. What are you seeing there? What are the benefits to it? I, you know, I, I use CB oil for, you know, for recovery for, you know, mm -hmm. a number of different things. And I think it's great, but, you know, tell us from your perspective, what you're seeing in the market and the impact that it's making. Well, the one thing I think, and you probably appreciate this as well. The one thing that really um, made a big impression on me was just the, the complexity of the human body when you're a triathlete, right? You and I are talking about just before we started, right? Just how the intake of one glass of wine, if you're not doing it, how can it impact you the following morning and, right. and how nuanced and specific the, the human body machine is, right? And I, and I um, you know, the, the member of, of, the managing member of um, my company, Silver Spike Capital, someone with whom I've known for many, many years. And uh, he started talking about cannabis. And, and I think the distinction he made is that, you know, the cannabis plant, has over a hundred properties, hundred definable different properties in the plant, which all have, um, you know, which all are different properties. And one of them is THC, the component that gets you high, but there are about 95 more other types of properties that we don't know how, how it impacts the body. But now, because it's been a scheduled one drug uh, by, by the federal government, um, there hasn't been a ton of research about how it's impacting our endocannabinoid system. But what they are finding is that, um, you know, maybe these people who've been using the plant for 3000 years knew a little bit more than we did. And they're finding ways, they're finding ways now that it is impacting the body, whether it's sleep, anxiety, PTSD, all kinds of things. In fact, one of our board members is Dr. Oren Davinsky. He runs the epilepsy and neurological department at NYU Langone. And um, he's actually the doctor that was the um, lead investigator for a five-year FDA trial for a drug that was an ultimately approved by the FDA called Epidiolex, and it treats a couple rare forms of um, onset in uh, epilepsy. So for me, that was sort of fascinating, right? That, that after all said and done uh, in this health and wellness realm, um, that, that there was something out there that was, was going viral. Uh, and I think that that having been in a blockchain fund before, um, I was really intrigued at just how actionable this was today. You know, blockchain is a fascinating topic, which people can get very, very passionate about. Um, still down the road a little bit as a technology, but today, I mean, you can go at a dinner party, even when dinner parties are allowed again in our lives and ask people to raise their hand who somehow, some way are impacted by CBD or cannabis and whether it's their grandmother or uncle or friend or child and any kind of use, you might be surprised by how many people raise their hands. So I think there's this grand sort of secular movement taking place about a plant where um, people are learning that it's impacting the body in, in, in different ways. And I think to us, that, that's just really exciting in terms of the demographics, 
people getting older, more conscious about health and wellness, um, people trying to get off opioid addiction. Um, and, and I think people are finding now that, um, you know, maybe this plant has um, a role in people's lives around health and wellness. So that's the first thing. The second thing that's really interesting is that it's a, it's a growing industry in which 11 states legalize it, the use of, uh, as they say, cannabis recreationally, which is another term, adult use. And there are other 33 states that allow it for medicinal purposes. Um, you're not putting the genie back in the bottle, in our view. There, this, is, this is going forward. And, and, and in an interestingly, interesting way, COVID-19 actually has um, only expedited the, the progress of this as, a, as, as, as something that's happening. So we actually think that the macro underpinnings of the cannabis story are getting stronger as the states are, are making more, more revenues. Um, employment's growing when push comes to shove people are the state governments are designating these as as essential services um so the story is unfolding but they have no capital so scott gordon the managing member of silver spike kind of came to the conclusion having been invested in it uh as a founder of a of an operating business in california thought you know there's just no capital out there so why don't we build a business around a dedicated investment management team that will be dedicated to all the nuances and complexities of the industry and be a provider of capital. And, and this sort of resonates with Scott, the, Scott Gordon and myself, that we started our careers in emerging markets in the mid-1980s. When the thought back then that emerging markets would become a multi-trillion dollar dedicated asset class was really laughable. So we see a lot of parallels in our early days of emerging markets in our careers uh, in cannabis. And and we think it's a we think it's a really 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 interesting space. No, and I think in you know from the athletic perspective and what we're seeing there, you know, it's big into sponsorship, right? It's you look at Floyd Landis's and you look at you know some of the you know some of the others that will pop in Barkley of what your partner was with and and everything. It, and it's becoming intriguing. And like you said, I think the stigma is gone. People are, you know, they're trying it, they're seeing it. And you know, you, in Massachusetts, recreational use is, is, um, is legal, but also, you know, CBD with the whole farm bill and everything else, right. Wow. is becoming more legal too. And that's a, um, and it's big. And, and I know it's a big topic around, around athletes, right. Are you using, it or are you not using it? Are you using it as a cream or are you using it, uh, you know, in pill form or oil form or tincture form. And it's, uh, it, it, it's cool to see, but and what's even more cool to see is how many people or what different results they have, right? And right. It, it's all different for, for each one that I talk to. Yeah, it, well, it's like, it's like vitamins or, or it, it all interacts with the body in slightly different ways. But, um, and, and, and look, I think the important thing to, dis to distinguish here is that the recreational use will, will evolve on its own, just like you can go in a, in a liquor store today and choose from 10 different tequilas, right? There'll, there'll be a time where more and more that that, that recreational use will, will be there and will evolve. But I think the real 800-pound gorilla here is, is all the other consumer uses of it for dogs, for anxiety, for sleep, uh, for swelling, for arthritis. Um, look, it's not a cure-all um, by any means, but um, you know, I, I, I think that the, the science is, is, is growing. And if you look at the FDA trials for Epidiolex, you know, sort of the precedent has been set. There's an open acknowledgement by the government, the FDA, that in fact, um, you know, this, this can, can, can help. And to your sports thing, yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, the NBA and 
um, is 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 now suggesting that you know maybe in the drug test it's not if I'm not mistaken it's not you know like a black mark and and I think it's just about re- reasonable use and and I think also people need to understand it's not about these tinctures and these creams and these bombs are a combination of CBD and THC and the use of the bomb doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting high from that and the manners in which you can ingest this and use it so there's a huge education process that needs to take place as well but I, I think I think the most important thing to to note is um, it's a it's a growing it's a growing it's a growing use case and and um, and get educated a little bit about it. We're all we're all you know we all we all grew up with a certain stigma and and um, and it's, it's it's just an interesting space. It really really is. No, and I know WADA actually has. I don't know about the THC piece, but the CBD piece of they, they allowed that now in blood tests, right? So mm-hmm. there's a whole step in the right direction for that because of so many people that are using it for for recovery and for instead yeah. of taking ibuprofen and my 70 year old mom, I gave her some cream. And she's like, "Wow, this is the best stuff ever." I'm yeah. probably like bathing in it at this point and probably go broke, but. Um, and, and, and using it. But I think what you guys are doing is pretty cool and where this is going to go. And, and that's where, you know, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because it's sort of the crossover of, you know, health and wellness, the emerging market and you being an athlete sort of brings it all together. And that's, yeah. you know, yeah. that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, it, it is. I think that, um, you know, I think, uh, being in the space and yet being an athlete, you know, people might look at that and, and sort of think of it as contradictory, but uh, it couldn't, nothing could be work could be, you know, farther than the truth. It's, uh, it's actually very interrelated as you, as you, as you mentioned. Oh, definitely. So we're coming up here on a half an hour. I know you get a call that you had to jump here pretty soon, but where can people find out more about you, what you guys are up to? I'd love to, you know, have the listeners be able to, you know, find you guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So it's not hard. Uh, it's uh, bill at silverspikecap.com. Uh, otherwise, you could probably find us on the, on the, on the web at the silverspikecap.com. And um, we'll be more than happy to, uh, to answer any questions or just to learn more about the, the space. It ain't going away. Uh, and be more than, more than delighted and happy to... Uh, to take anyone's uh, calls to ask more, more about the space, learn more about the space. Perfect. Bill, thank you for being part of this. I really appreciate it. It was a joy. I sort of continued in my education in this space as well. So I really appreciate it. And I'm sure all the listeners will appreciate it. Thank you again for having me. And if anyone has any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, feel free to email me at kenintheexecutiveathletes.com. Um, hopefully we'll be out of the COVID situation when this is posted, but if not hang in there, train hard and go make it happen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, have some fun. Talk to you later.